the glue guys. This is Mike here. Say hello, Brian. Hello. Check us out on iTunes, uh, Stitcher, um, mm. other places where you get your podcasts. We are there. Oh, the- Mike, you are. <laughs> I'm like, listen. Here's what I'm doing. I'm monitoring like three different levels, and I'm like trying to play with a bunch of different stuff. So I apologize no, I that I'm not focused, and also I'm a little thrown off because that game was crazy. Brian. Yeah, I was. Uh, I'm feeling a little. Tri- I'm so happy we won. Otherwise, I was gonna punch a hole in my cat. I was uh, really <laughs> upset by, by that whole situation. Um, but thank goodness, grinded out that W. I'm. I'm worried, Mike, that that's what a lot of our Ws are gonna have to look like going forward, based on based on what we've been seeing lately this this last week. Uh, what a week it's been. What a what a crummy week. But hey, let's 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 yeah, save. Let's this focus w. on the thing that we're. <laughs> It <laughs> just happened, Brian. We to immediately bury the lead. We we just had a conversation about not being negative too, <laughs> like literally today. Um. Anyways, yeah. Go give give us a recap, Mike. Um. Welcome back to the Good Guys. This is Mike here. Um. <laughs> um. We are recording this directly after that Suns game. That that win by the Nets. Um. A big win, actually, because as we've been kind of talking about a little bit, this team needed a big win. This team needed to actually win a game uh things were shaky we were getting emails from people saying that this team was unwatchable um people are demanding for trades people are demanding for d'angelo russell to come off the bench brian um Is that, did that actually happen oh yeah we've gotten a lot of tweets about that a wow. heck of a lot of tweets um first wow. the Pe- game people got to talking about plus minuses i saw that on twitter you know things are bad when when you're fighting having plus minus battles uh, I mean, I can't. So I can go to the plus minus thing, but like, the worst plus minus on the team is Rondé Hollis Jefferson. The second worst is D'Angelo. And if we're going to praise Rondé Hollis Jefferson for being so good this year and all this stuff, then how can you how how can you praise him and then bash D'Angelo Russell when they're do they have do what? they have another stat other than uh, plus minus? Like, do they have like an effective? plus minus stat you know where they like yeah average everyone else's plus minuses against each other like I, it's just such an incomplete stat it feels like it could be used as an ingredient for another actual like a real stat but not on its own you well know? there's like there's real plus minus which is supposed to okay. account for the people you're on the floor with and all that stuff um but even that is wonky because it's just i mean plus minus basically no one should look at it I'm serious. I'm not even just saying that because I like D'Angelo Russell. I'm defending him till I die. But mm-hmm. um, it's just like, wh- what are you getting out of it? If you actually look at who get, who is, like, during the game today, Levert's plus minus was, like, four or something before he started playing defense at the end. Levert was yeah. horrible offensively. Um, and D'Angelo's was negative 10. And D'Angelo was the only thing going on this team for a while. So I'm, I I was dogging Levert until I put on my new uh, Levert goat t-shirt by uh, um, <laughs> Mad, Mad, oh God, Mad Kitty Park City. What, what is it? I'm sorry, dude, I'm it's screwing Mad it up. <laughs> it's not a Mad that's Cat. My, you got Cat on your Twitter. mind. <laughs> that's fine, me there. Um uh, no, TM is, is what he goes by. But I shout out. This is a great T-shirt. Everyone should get one. It's it's a Karis Levert image with a goat on his head. Here, um, I'll take a print screen of it and I'll tweet it out so everyone's so happy to see. Boom. <laughs> nice, Brian. <laughs> um, so let's talk about the game, Brian. Uh, totally weird game. Officiating was horrible. Uh, Dude, what the he- what is going on there? That that one That's... play where there was four 
fouls in 10 seconds? What what was going on there? And, and that, that was the same crew that we remember. I think we had the same issue before earlier in the season. Like, I think I've tweeted the same thing twice this season where I don't like to criticize officials, but this is bad officiating. I'm pretty sure it was the same crew. Well, like, yeah. so you're talking about the four fouls in 110 seconds in the start of the is fourth quarter? Yeah. Two of them, one was on Spencer Dinwiddie trying to get around a screen, which I think the foul should have been on Alex Len or whoever was setting the screen. And then one was on Moskov just doing normal post defense. Um, horrible officiating. Player, players from both sides, like, yelling pretty specifically at the officials. This, this, um, the... The really ticky tacky calls on like setting screens, moving screens, and stuff is getting a little out of hand. I'm I'm starting to err on the uh, we need to like we need to really reel it back with this stuff. So what uh, do you, you think that it's too ticky tacky that they shouldn't? Yeah, it's definitely too ticky tacky. It's also too. I mean, like you know, what's funny every, is that I was like they should the Suns should have been called more for their illegal screens because basically <laughs> yeah. every screen they set was illegal. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, like, it's just <laughs> unless it's like really Im- impacting the game noticeably. Like, I just I'm I'm all for here's here's what I don't like about the illegal screen calls and their general ineffectiveness on on the actual game. It's like it's like you know how there's a speed limit at 65 miles per hour and nobody actually goes you know that slow. It's that's for old people. And if you actually and do go that slow, you're a maniac. You're a maniac, and so everyone's technically breaking the law and. Because everyone's bringing the law, the police have the sort of indiscriminate ability to be like, well, you were over the speed limit if, if ever they want to. Because every, they keep it so that everyone's breaking the law all the time so that they could justifiably pull you over. This is what I think is happening with this screen. This They're, they're calling it so tight now that you could argue almost on every screen that it's, that it's moving. Yes. Exactly. So I, so I don't – I'm not into that anymore, Mike. Anyways, uh, hot takes from the game. Hot takes from the game. Um Dude, the team won on defense. I think this is, has to be the first win that they won on defense, right? Thank goodness for that, dude. Like we were talking earlier about how just how disheartening it is to be really, really bad on defense. Like it's it's not um, it's not sustainable to be that bad on defense because I mean we were just watching these games like that Lakers game or anything like just grinding out a twenty-two second long possession that results in free throws and then just getting you know hammerjacked with a five second three pointer on the other side that's just not contested and, and a total joke of a possession is like so deflating such a such a bad feeling um, and as a fan it's tough to again this is something we talked about but it's tough to uh analyze defense it's tough to sort of put your finger on why on defense they're bad um yeah. today they were good i still had issues with the defense but like you know what was interesting was that besides so Mozgov fouled out when was it early fourth quarter about mm-hmm. but besides Mozgov filing out and them having to not have to have a center they had a center in the game the whole time but until Mozgov fouled out I mean Zeller yeah. played a bunch I think Zeller had like seventeen points um, yeah that makes a big difference I mean I tweeted out this stuff earlier today and I'll I'll, re- I'll do it right now I'll just say this before this game the Nets had given up the second most points in the paint. Eighth most fast break points, second most second chance points, um, and then three point percentage. They're, the opponents are shooting the seventh best in the league against the Nets on three point percentage. But all of that stuff, all that stuff in the post, second chance points, fast break points, which is typically stuff in the post, you know, p- points in the post. That's because they're playing Quincy AC, Ronnie Hollis Jefferson, <coughs> Trevor Booker at center. Like, it, like uh, it makes a difference, right? Like, it, yeah, totally. As much as we like to evolve basketball to the point that it's. Uh, you know, five wings out there sort of sharing the ball 
yeah. it matters that you have the seven foot dude just in there kind of swatting shots it, away or just being in the it way. It definitely does. And it's also, I think like just, just eye test wise, um, if you're, if you're doing this long ball style defense, it, you, you have to be super active all the time. If you're, if you're taking a playoff, it's so noticeable. It's, it's so painfully yeah, noticeable. Um, like the lack of a rotation just pops right off the screen. Um, but not to, not to go too far away from the defensive conversation. Cause I want to double back. Um, another stat that they uh, played at the beginning of that uh, of the game tonight on yes was the pace if you recall early on in the season i um, i i mentioned in our roundtable that our uh, what one of the surprises of the season was going to be was going to be the pace at which the nets played this season um, and so Very we good, Brian. we we led the league <laughs> in points per 48 uh, or possessions per 48 minutes last year and this year we do it by a full 4 points um, or uh, possessions. So we're at 109 possessions per 48 minutes compared to 105 last year, and it's record breaking, Mike. It's record break. We're on pace to shatter the possessions per 48 minutes record. I just wanted to say. Well, and, and there's something I think it was Kevin Arnovitz tweeted out the fact that the seven seconds or less Suns, mm-hmm. they only had reached one game where they got 104 possessions, and that's what the Nets at one point when he tweeted that out were averaging in a game. You know, yeah. just. The, the evolution from that point, which we thought to be the, you know, the alpha type team that would take us, carry us through this basketball revolution to the Nets, who the Nets aren't good, but they're doing yeah. something interesting. Don't you think that that's a, a really kind of a great, I mean, people, I think people jump on Kenny Atkinson as like a copy paste coach or whatever, or like he's, he's just trying to do recreate what's in vogue, but not really understand the tenets of it. I, I think like a lot of critics kind of harp on for that. That being know. said, what's that? No, I was just saying, yeah, I don't know if I agree with that, but yeah, keep going. I, I'm not sure that I do either. Well, I also think that like he's just not being been given like the the necessary talent, really, to fully suss <laughs> no, out what dude, kind of coach. Uh, Quincy Acey what? shot seven threes in this game, and that's a position if you're going to play small ball, like the small ball four matters, and he's, he's not good. Yeah. He's not good and at those basketball were, right now. Those were very agape, wide open threes for Quincy Acey. Um, I'll give him, I'll give him some slack cause he's coming back from an injury or whatever, but just this one oh, time I think about that. I don't care. You know what? You don't care. <laughs> if you see it enough, not something I care be, about. You should be ripping cord brother. Um, anyways. Yeah. So, um, it is interesting. I think like to have, to, to have such a concrete, um, sort of philosophy or maybe not a concrete, but just like a, such a unique basketball philosophy or an extreme one with, with like not the necessary pieces. So I think like, not to not to go too off track, that there's a uh, culture war among Nets fans of people who dislike Kenny and people who like him and want to see what he's made of, and it comes back to um, like, do you think that a coach is necessarily necessarily has to build a system around the players that they have, or that he needs to build a system and build the players to or like mold the players to fit that system? Um, and I think you can go either way on it, but honestly, if you don't have, if these players are not your long-term players, right, you need to instill the guiding principles for the future, for maybe when you do have those, and you can make small adjustments to that system, um, sort of, and they, you know, anyways, so that's, I just want to talk a little bit about that, Mike, but I, I do, I'm starting to see, like, in that last week, people were about to turn on Kenny Atkinson, and it's like, it's way too early for that stuff, dudes. And it, and again, it's a 
it's a talent issue. I don't like love. I mean, Kenny Atkinson's not my favorite coach in the league. I'm I'm not saying that, but it's a talent issue. Again, you when you have Quincy AC in a crucial spot shooting seven threes a game, and I you yeah. could you could argue that he should never be doing that, and that Atkinson has given the green light to do that, and that's a problem by Atkinson. Um, yeah. But there's a couple of interesting things Atkinson actually did in this game today. So we saw it early on with Damari Carroll, and Damari Carroll in the beginning of the game took that bad three, and he benched slightly Damari Carroll for a possession or two to talk to him yeah. and tell him not to do that, and did it with D'Angelo. And you well, and I, dude, what? Well, we I, talked at, about the D'Angelo at the first, tension. At the first Suns game, uh, well, I've seen this repeatedly over the course of the season, but he screams in D'Angelo's face like pretty indiscriminately, and it's a little uncomfortable. I, so that Suns game that I was at, at, at Barclays, I was very triggered throughout that whole game. So this is like compound triggering throughout the, like, I, I'm so glad that we beat this team. Well, and I was triggered for off court reasons. There was a kid behind me who was like, almost like, I thought I was getting punked for a second. I thought I was on Ashton Kutcher's punked because this kid was so over the top annoying. I've never seen anything like it in my what life. Was the, what was the main, what was his main like line of dialogue? Here, his, here was his one line that he would not stop talking about. He would just, he would repeat Devin Booker looks like a killer clown. Devin, doesn't he look like he was like four kids next to him that were all How like old are we dogging here? He, I don't know. Like I, I really after like I honestly don't know how to like where, what kids' ages are to look at them. I don't know. Nine? Eight? Okay. Oh, so young. Okay. Young. Yeah. yeah. <clears throat> Anyways, and then <laughs> at one point at one point he was like he's just looking across at the uh it was like the second row, like, you know, behind the Nets players bench, and he was like, Is that Shaq? Is that Shaq? Is that Shaq? I think that's Shaq. And it was definitely not Shaq. It was just a random <laughs> black dude. <laughs> I was like, dude, it is not. I, I, I actually turned around to him and I was like, that's not Shaq. That's just a guy. That's not. Yeah. <laughs> it's such an <laughs> awful situation when there's someone around you that's that's not a part of your group that's dominating a conversation in a way or talking so much that, that your own thoughts get. You can't think. Yeah. You can't you, produce your own thoughts at that point. He was also sitting so close. But this is good. You're like this. He was sitting so close behind me. That he, I could feel his breath on my mm, neck, that's, on the back of my that's neck. That's enjoyable. And so I balled up my, um, like my playbill thing, the play ball thing, and I went to act like I was, um, like scratching <laughs> my head up, popped, and I popped in the face. <laughs> right. <laughs> I did. What am I gonna? I'm that, not afraid to, th- I'm not afraid to right throw there. down with some eight-year-olds. I'm not afraid. Um, <laughs> sorry, sorry about that. Anyway, so back to the point. Um, Kenny Atkinson is. Uh, a, a a dude who's not afraid to very publicly um, yell at his players. But which... we did see him do the arm around the shoulder thing, the 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 mm-hmm. gentleness of coaching that he displayed tonight. He he pulled people out of the game and then put his arm around them, tried to explain to them why the thing that they did was bad. It was weird though because you don't see an NBA coach really do that. NBA coaches don't like that's a college coach thing, right? College coach thing is to bench all your starters for a series just to prove a point where Kenny Atkinson was literally he felt like he couldn't coach them by the sidelines he had to take them over to him to talk to them and tell them why that thing was bad and he mm-hmm. was right though on both circumstances like the Damari shot was terrible it was a, like a just a pull-up three with a guy on him and the D'Angelo yeah. shot was awful yeah. um and and D'Angelo did play differently in the second half um I think he had like four turnovers going into the second half and he only came out with five maybe six, mm-hmm. um, he made some amazing passes. And that's like, that's what's keeping me alive is this D'Angelo. He's not a point guard. He's not, but he's a ball handler who makes passes that, like, 
very few players in the league can actually make. It's just yeah. like he made this one that one to Joe Harris in the third quarter where Jolo had a defender in front of him. He kind of hooked the pass around him into the lane to streaking Joe Harris, and Joe Harris got a bucket, which is like yeah. – like that's what's so frustrating about him is that you can see this sort of like this potential, this ball handler who can do a lot of things, who can score, has a real unique unique way of scoring, but then he'll make just take really dumb shots. He'll take three dumb shots a game. Some of the times they'll yeah. go in, but it's just like, God damn it, man. Um, yeah, dude. But um, another win, another buddy. player doing some some percolating in an interesting way is Alan Crabb. Seems to be that like whenever he is making shots, we're competitive. Is the is the trend? Yes. Um, well, they need him, right? I mean, I yeah. think part of D'Angelo's issue is that like there's times on the court when other guys are watching him, you can't really blame D'Angelo. Like right. they just sort of like watch and see what he does. Um, like we all love Spencer Dinwiddie, I think, because he's more of a in the flow type offense dude. Where well, Dinwiddie's just very conservative. You know, I just have like so much. Um, like like you were saying, like those three, like those decision making skills or whatever, that's like not an issue for Din for Dinwiddie. He just has um, his head screwed on so right, you know. Yeah, and and you when you combine that with his size, it's a very yeah. interesting backup point guard to actually have. Um, yeah, I feel like, and he's really starting to gain confidence in his ability to just air out like really difficult threes, and they're going in at a pretty good tick. Yeah, they are. Um, Which kind of worries me because yeah. then they're probably just going to go away. Just law of averages. <laughs> but um, sure. I'll take them now. Um, yeah, I mean, if they if that's a thing that you can rely on going forward, like he just added many years to his NBA career. Like like this will be the season. If he, if he, if he can like hit those pull-up threes from, from pretty far back too, like that's it. Like you, you're in, dude. You, I was just you still never to, have to worry. I was just thinking around the NBA – of backup point guards, Dinwiddie would be starting for the Cavaliers right now over Derrick Rose, don't you think? I mean, yeah, he'd definitely, he definitely be in the mix for sure. Yeah, and you just look around the NBA and um, just go through like backup point guards all over the, every roster, and you'll find that Dinwiddie's upper echelon, upper echelon backup point guard. I'm not saying he's a yeah. great point guard overall, but he's upper echelon for the backups for sure. It's so funny that we have like pretty good. Um, like solutions in in that way, but like really like not a ton of people that that you would really want to break down the defense and pass it to, you know. Yeah, and that's uh, and that goes back to the D'Angelo issue, right? Is that you can tell he does want to be a passer, but he also wants to be a scorer, and he I don't think he necessarily respect is the right word, but like you know when you play pickup basketball, there's like someone like me on your team who's not going to yeah. do anything for you. But it's pretty much everyone he's playing with. Like he's just playing with yeah. a bunch of guys that like aren't really going to do anything to to put the ball in the basket by themselves. I mean, you so we brought up Alan Crab. Crab did have a couple of moments in this game where it was like, all right, we're going to do the around a screen thing for Alan Crab, and then Alan Crab's going to just all he has to do is just get a slight opening and he's going to hit a shot, and that makes a yeah. big difference. Uh, the fact that like it's not just on D'Angelo that that we can kind of run a play to get an opening to a guy like Alan Crabb. The thing is also like, I feel like Crabb is, is the guy that we run the most plays for, like most obviously, like there's so much of him coming off screens and, and it's, and it's a natural fit, but I, I also really like it when he's just kind of playing. Like I, I, he, the moments where he is, you know, s sort of 
Um, because I, I think he gets a little bit, he relies a little bit too heavily on playing within the context of a play, and then he becomes like sort of like stiff, and and even on the defensive end, you can sort of see it. And when he's just kind of like, you know, occasionally throwing up a pump fake and taking two steps in and hitting that mid range shot like he did tonight, like I don't know, just kind of loosens things up. You know, I feel like like in previous games he's been really just tethered to the play. Um, no, totally. So, uh, you know, just giving a little bit of of you know relaxing a little bit with that. I think goes a long way for him. But also what I'm most excited about watching Alec Crabb is generally when he's on defense right now, like sometimes they'll have a really dope defensive play. Like he can, he can do really interesting, like recovery things. He's super long. He blocks guards too, which I love, love guard on guard blockage. <laughs> well, Le- Levert was horrible offensively today, but defensively at the end of the game, oh, Devin God, Booker he was, was like amazing. in Devin Booker's shirt dog. Um, and like, you know, is that going to be ultimately Karis Levert's destiny? Because I don't oh, God, I hope not. That would be so tragic. Yeah, I know. If, if he's just Andre Robertson. That would be... So like, it's obvious that Levert knows the right way to play basketball. Okay. That is clear. He knows what plays to make. Um, I think Anthony Puccio tweeted this out that, you know, he's doing the right things. The shots aren't just going in, but it, Part of the problem is guys who are naturally good at basketball, like D'Angelo Russell, their their shots just end up going in because they know how to get it off the glass. They have the right touch. I don't yeah. know if Levert has that. I haven't well, seen him have it. That's Seriously. what we said of Rondé Hollis Jefferson too until the season, and now like Ian Eagle was saying, like we used to say these exact thing. Wow, we got to the room and threw up a crazy shot, didn't go in, and now it kind of just does. And that's the exact. Obviously, that's the player you think about, right? Like you hope. Yeah. Because we gave up on Rondé. I think everyone gave up on Rondé. It, it looked bad back. at the end of last season. I'll it was, say that. It, was, it, yeah. was, it was worse than it was his rookie year. You know, yeah. he was a guy who was completely lost. Levert is now worse than, you know, we've seen. It him. is amazing how the, how the, the tables have turned on, on those two players. Did, does, should Levert just not shoot from the outside? Yes, should- he should not be shooting threes this season. <laughs> like, full stop. And end of discussion. Like, if we really... Every... Every time he does it, like, first of all, I think his shot's kind of broken. He's shooting too low. It's from the chest. It doesn't look natural. There's no arc to it. It just goes like pushes out straight ahead. And it it always hits the back of the rim and then flies away. It's a totally different. His like set shot from the three point line is so much different than his uh, like he he normally jumps really high and like, you know, has a really high release point on his like mid range jump shot or his like eight footer or whatever. And it's just a totally different mechanic when he's shooting from from distance. Have you noticed that? Yeah, no. I, there's, and it's like not even that. It's just that like you can feel him thinking about that shot every time he takes yeah. it. You can feel him thinking, am I going to be a good player? If this goes in, yeah. I will be a good player. If it doesn't go in, I'm a bad player. It's his thought process. You can feel it happening. <laughs> yeah. It's it's funny because it's kind of true. Like, and it's, also, it's an abstract. again, yeah. Quincy AC, I can't I just can't watch him shoot threes. I can't do it, Brian. I I'm, I'm at people this are going to be people are going to pull up a bunch of stats that say that that's I don't an care. incorrect pick. I, I see him I see you're, him out there. You're going I test over hard analytics. Huh? Uh, I think he was 0 for 7 tonight from 3. I think I'll I'll take my analytics over that, those. <laughs> come on, come on. That's a small sample. It's coming off a off a injury. Give him some. Give him some slack. Give me your your grade or your report on D'Angelo today. What's your feeling on him? How he played in this game? Well, so I think D'Angelo is like having an internal war with himself. Um, yeah. 
for for a lot of the same like for a lot of the things that we're talking about. So he's he's um it's not just a war with himself, it's also a war with Kenny Atkinson. It's sort of it's sort of uh and is Jacques Vaughn his ally or <laughs> like, I love you stirring the pot with that. Because I don't know if I said this out loud yet, but um D'Angelo did Instagram a photo with him and Jacques Vaughn like a week ago. And yeah. that's pretty pretty interesting. D'Angelo knows what he's doing on huh? Yeah, he's very he, uh creative. He Lawrence Frankham over uh, Byron Scott. I'm just saying, if if it happens in three months, I would not be surprised. But I actually, uh, I'm joking. But the but the so so here's the thing. It's like in his mind, he's like, this is a great, a perfect team for me to put up a ton of shots and just like break out, be a superstar. Yes, you know, make that a is ton exactly of what he thinks. Sometimes. And Kenny Atkinson is like. I think that could be you maybe, but you need to do it the way that I want you to do it. If you're going to do that. And he's like there, but he's like, that's not in my nature coach. And coach is like, it's going to have to be in your nature dog. And that's, that's where they are right now. <laughs> that's my, that's my, what is good is that I think D'Angelo is on an Island in a good way that like, I think there's enough good dudes on the team. The coach and the GM seem to be simpatico. There's no like, Perkarov isn't coming in and supporting D'Angelo in a power play type situation. You know, it's basically uh, D'Angelo has to kind of play what Kenny Atkinson wants him to do. Not that he doesn't, but he has to play that way because he has no other support. So if he if he ends up, you know, taking these bad shots that he he does end up taking, Atkinson will not play him at times. You know, he will sit him. And it is interesting. It like adds this dra- layer of drama that Spencer Dinwiddie is being playing well at basketball. Um, yeah. I did say. Yeah, again, it does add this drama. Yeah, you're right. Add BK Glue guys that like they can both be good. Okay, yeah. that would be amazing because there's this debate going on out there that people want Spencer Dinwiddie to start and D'Angelo to come off the bench. We referenced yeah. that earlier in the pod. Um, but they can both be good. But it does. Push, it's got to push D'Angelo just a little bit more to follow the the way the basketball should be go, moving around a little bit. The fact that mm-hmm. Spencer Dinwiddie comes in and plays as well as he does. Um, that was one of my, is good. You know, it was one of my favorite things um, was when he tweeted out the uh, thing about D'Angelo Russell like scoring 21-5-4 and four or whatever it yeah. is at, at his age. And one of the responses <clears throat> was like the most Twitter response I've ever seen. Um, the guy, the guy was like, oh, what did he say? Um, he was like, oh, D- D'Angelo's by far the worst on that list, dude. Stupid list. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Good, no, no shit, Sherlock. It was like a, a list of like Magic Johnson and like Isaiah Thomas and like all these like, you know, Hall of Famers, or whatever. And obviously the point of the list is like, you know. Yeah, so like well, we need I, to. Res- you don't have to explain it. Yeah, <laughs> it's, it's just you have to explain it. Literally, like, everyone on the list is a hall of famer. Before famous. Isaiah Thomas and Magic Johnson were like the Isaiah Thomas and Magic Johnsons, like this is what they're averaging at that age. Um, so there's like room for lots of optimism. But this guy's like he's not as good as those players. <laughs> duh, God. duh. But God damn it! Because as much as critical as people are, I don't think people appreciate that D'Angelo does is as productive as he is. At this this age, now this is like a great offense for him, right? And you know, comparing different eras, you know, uh, D'Angelo's possessions—he's getting probably twenty more possessions over a span of a game, thirty-six per thirty-six minutes, let's say, um, comparatively than these guys are. But you know, just just let's like let's like pause on tremendous D'Angelo hate just for a little bit and understand 
exactly what he is bringing to the basketball court. Um, Meanwhile, Brian Tadramas over here, like Nostradamus, but with Brian, uh, is, I mean, if he if he goes up to 22, 5, and 4, then I'll have been correct on that front, too, in our roundtable. So. Oh, my God. <laughs> things, are looking, things are looking good for me. <laughs> All right, do you want to play a couple of our uh, listener voicemails? Oh, heck yeah. All right, I'm going to start with uh, GNYR. If you, if you, uh, you've probably seen his Twitter handle before. Um, this is what he had to say to us. Let me see if this plays. It's your boy, GNYR. Marks, we trust in you. But come on, man. We need another big. It's important. I've been reiterating this fact. That the Nets will not win many games until they get another big. Please, Marks, go get that big. Peace. All right, so he, he <laughs> wants Marks to get a big. That's that's all he wants. Great, great, your boy. Way to your boy your way in on this. That was <laughs> that's next level. Appreciate um, it, Wire. So, like, it's it's funny that he sends that. Obviously, because in this game, Atkins made a real effort to play a center. It made a difference. Best defensive performance of the game of the season. Um, they need to play. I know Mozgov isn't good, and who knows what Zeller is? I mean, Zeller played really well today. Well, but I was looking at I was looking at that NBA Math uh, website, whatever that thing is, and they do those like matri- matrices. And on the uh, rookie matrix, um, Jared Allen's really far to the uh, like defensive rating end of the spectrum. Like he's he's at least statistically speaking, on on paper, a very good defensive center. And that makes I mean we that's an eye test thing right that you see sure. him he's stalking the the lane like mm-hmm. a bird of prey, um, mm. super athletic all that good stuff but he's so lost offensively he has yeah. no confidence if he's going to get the ball like on a pick yeah everyone's just going to go everyone's going to disregard his role which is the big problem and Atkinson knows that. Dude, how soon before Zeller gets that starting role? Let's let's real talk this. I know. I mean, that's what's interesting is because, like, even though it's not, it wasn't their money, they have money invested in Moskov, and mm-hmm. I do I do wonder if there's some kind of them holding themselves back a little bit. Be like, we have to start him just in case uh, he we can't lose him because if we lose him and then he becomes what is he fifteen million a year or whatever it is, I don't know yeah. what it is. You can't just say goodbye to that. You can't just stick him on the bench and play him eight minutes a game if he's making that much money. Zeller's Zeller's doesn't matter. Um, I think Zeller's I a mean, better player. They're, to be they're both like pretty equitable, but like like Zeller just slightly more offensively capable than than Mozgov. Just a little bit more fluid around the rim. Yeah, and it goes a long way for those little putbacks, those little gimmies. He does he does the littler things better. Mozgov should be better defensively though. Um, Dude, he's not that like his instincts are not that good defensively. Like his, like, I, I really like he he really should be averaging like at least two blocks a game. Like he he should be a bit of a rim protector, and he's just not. Well, it's Let me see how many. It's yeah. wild that that this offense is as good as it is the Nets offense. When you you look at the fact that like they're getting nothing from their power forwards besides Rondé Hollis Jefferson, and Rondé's Rondé's points are coming in a really unique way. Like the best way for them to score more points, the Nets overall would be to have a four, like a four, a power forward in the position that can shoot threes. It's a stretch the floor type dude, and they don't have that. Um, yeah, and they don't get anything from their centers. They don't get anything. They, Zeller had the best game of any center this this year. I can guarantee that. I don't have to look that up. 
in terms of most points? Sure. The, look at, I mean, like, dude, Mozgov's stat line right now is beyond it's tragic. It's so tragic. He's, 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 first of all, he's only playing 15 minutes a game, which you could have fooled me. Felt like he's in there the whole goddamn time. Um, but he, uh, it's, he's averaging four, five, um, 0.4 blocks, no steals. Um, and he just, I think he's only been to the free throw line how many times? Three times in the whole season. <laughs> Literally three shots. That's yeah. it. They, um, they just don't use partly because of talent. They don't use the center in this off in this offense. Obviously, they used it last year with Brooke because Brooke was special. They don't use it. Doesn't they? Don't care. The center doesn't matter. They don't. Dude, I mean, throw to playing that, playing fifteen minutes like that, you should. I mean, without any other centers, I don't know. It's it's that that well, kind of productivity is pretty. And think about um, the spooky. from what we've already seen from D'Angelo Russell. Like he is slightly selfish he's got miangelo but he does enjoy the sort of little passes inside the lane that gets a guy wide open we saw that four times tonight tonight he had four passes when he was inside the lane driving that gave guys wide open shots so like mozgov should get three of those a game at least how how is it that like what would it take to get to that um what's his name lucas noguera or whatever on uh (laughs) <laughs> like is is that guy a, a more mobile Who's version? <laughs> What's that? I don't think who who are you talking about? Lucas, uh, how do you pronounce his name? N- Naguera, the Toronto guy, is not playing that much. Oh, uh, the from um, Bebe, you mean? Yeah. Which guy? I think they call him. His nickname is Bebe. Bebe. Oh, sure. Okay. Maybe I'm. But the the guy with the he is like a he's Brazilian <clears throat> and he was yeah on he's the Brazilian. Hawks. Yeah. So here's the thing. They're not going to, I don't, they're not, GNYR will finally answer your question after five minutes. Well, this um, is it. This is the guy. This is the guy. We, okay, look, he, look, he's playing 18 minutes a game, seven, seven points, uh, five rebounds, and two blocks and a steal. That's more what I'm interested in, you know? He should, do, do like, you know who's more likely they would get off the Raptors would be Valanchunas in a salary dump. Yeah. And I, this team can't take another salary dump. But, Let's see. What's, what's Val doing? Um, there's so many rumors over so many years that they want to get rid of him because he just doesn't do, you know, he doesn't really bring that much. He's having a pretty tragic season in his own right. What is he doing? Nine and seven with pretty much nothing else going that'd be, on. That'd be amazing for the Nets, though, that upgrade. Are you kidding me? <laughs> do you think he would be rejuvenated? Do you think that's another no. reclamation project? No, I don't think so. And they don't have any more first-round picks they can give us at this point. Um. Mm-hmm. GNYR, the answer to your question is they will not get another center. What do they do? They got to get someone, right? Well, I think we they can't, need to play. We... They just need to play. When Allen comes back, obviously, it'll make a difference. They need to play centers more. They as they did tonight. You just here's based just on what I've seen, like Quincy AC or Trevor Booker at center for ten minutes a game. I think you're correct in that they will play Mozgov for annoying political reasons or image purposes, which I'm, which is frustrating. But he should be the odd man out in this rotation right now. It should start Zeller, Allen off the bench. I mean, I know I understand he's hurt right now, but that's how it should be. And Mozgov being the third dude in. I'm I'm totally into that. I've always like enjoyed Zeller because he he's not like fantastic defensively, but he's a tall body who understands that all he should be out there doing is rebounding. Like He's smart enough to understand that in this yeah. offense, in this defense, all he's going to do is set picks, rebound, and put back there, little four-foot shots. There was this amazing, very telling moment, <clears throat> maybe like probably three minutes left in the game, uh, where he had a wide-open, yes. maybe 10-foot jumper, and yes. he like, 
I am not going to be the guy that takes the shot. <laughs> and, and, and you know, Mozgov would neither neither would have Mozgov or Jared Allen, but like you know, yeah. it's it it's uh, it is telling that he already. I, is would, like, I yeah, wouldn't put it past Mozgov to fire that up there. Tbh. I mean, that is one of the. If you're going to list the three most thrilling things this team can do, it's uh, D'Angelo Russell getting into the lane. Number two is Mozgov <laughs> shooting threes from the corner. <laughs> yeah. Nothing's better. Nothing, nothing gets me more fired up. Can we get Ronnie Hollis Jefferson dunking again? Like, can somebody dunk the basketball anymore? Like, he's just decided, like, that's not going to be me. Like, sorry, guys. He just gave up on that. When I was thinking about this, is like, this is part of the, the evolution of basketball now that everyone's shooting threes and all this stuff. Like, when we were growing up, old men here, dunking the basketball was the most valuable thing you could do in terms of being on the basketball floor. Well, didn't, not in terms of points, but like, the dunk mattered. Guys yeah. used to just drive to lane and try to dunk on fools. We don't do that I, anymore. Did, has have I ever told you about uh, GW's idea for the inverted? Um, <clears throat> so he wants to do it where at the three point line it's one point, and then uh, a dunk is three points. <laughs> so that's what he wants That'd make basketball so much more fun, wouldn't it? Yeah, way more fun. It'd be just such a gangly dudes trying to just fool each other, stuff on like each other all pool game. basketball. That would be it. Would be amazing. Yeah, it'd be pool basketball. Um, do you want to put up the the second uh, voicemail? Yes. Let me find the name here. This is a uh, Pele Gunnarsson. He's gonna say it, and it's, it sounds really good. Sorry, All right, yeah. Awesome. All right, here he goes. Three, two. Hello, Blue guys. This is uh, Pele Gunnarsson, listener from Sweden. <laughs> Just want to let you know that your um, all your music drops has put your podcast out of rotation as my going to sleep pod, and you are now my bike to work in the morning pod. I have a question for you, um, Timofey Moscow. I'm not sure if you have even mentioned him by name on your pod, but I just want to ask you, what do you think of his uh, work so far? Uh, statistics versus... Uh, I test and your gut feel. And also, I am, I will be visiting Brooklyn in early April, hoping to catch the Nets versus Piston game. And I am wondering if you could help me find any places around the Marriott Hotel at Brooklyn Bridge that are serving strong European style good coffee. Thank you. <laughs> Goes strong. Okay, so Nets Nation, you have a mission now. No, I got this. I already locked this up, dude. And this is a place I go to. First of all, thank you, Pedagonerson, for hitting us up. (laughs) And thanks. And also, guys, everyone, do this. It's so much more fun than emails. I have to say, like, I'm an email lover for like, and you know this about me. But these are too good. Um, Shout out to Pele and GNYR. But dude. I know this place. I go. This is a, a coffee place that I like. It's so Condit- excited right now. You're so Conditori is a Swedish coffee Wait, house. Wait, say it again. Conditori. It's on Smith this? Street. It's it's not far from where I live. Uh, so it's like Smith and uh, Pacific. It'll be a little bit of. Here's what I want you to do, Pele Pele Gunnarsson. What you got to do is <laughs> before the game, you just walk to um, to Smith Street. And then you can walk to the Barclays Center right from there, from your from your hotel, and you'll be all jacked up on extremely strong Swedish coffee um, for the game. Uh, but <clears throat> another thing, 
two two small digs in that if you if you read between the lines there one that we're not <laughs> we're, we're too loud and obnoxious to be a going to sleep podcast anymore which fine fine i don't i don't want to be a go to sleep podcast no. i want to be an energizing podcast yeah. a get up on your bike on your swedish bike and bike to work podcast second of all <laughs> the dig about timothy mozgov that we haven't said his name well, Pelly Gunnarsson, what do you have to say now? We just answered all of your questions right before you, you know, put out in your voicemail. So, um, what else can we say? You know, what do you want us to talk about? All right, Mike, did we, did we do it? I think it's a good place to end the pod, don't you? Yeah, yeah. All right. um, Thank you. All right. Hey, if if you want to send a voicemail in, netspod at gmail dot com. We will. We do still accept email, but we prefer voicemail. Um, find us netsdaily.com, dot com. All Radio. At BK Glue Guys on Twitter, Facebook, we did put up. I, you know, I, I love the response from the Alternate Side Parking Podcast. Uh, <laughs> great buzz we, on that. I didn't look at the YouTube. Did we get hammered on the on the comments? Oh, I don't even know. Last <laughs> I like checked, we had like fifty that, views. But it feels like something that should have happened. Um, we appreciate everyone for watching and listening. We'll do that again. I guarantee it. Uh, yeah, our we'll goal is do to a proper video episode, right? Our goal is to interview Timothy Mozgov. In the backseat oh, of Brian's yeah, car. In the back of the, of the Civic. Oh, that's perfect. Um, so, yes. Uh, big win for the Nets. We're happy. Everything's Boop. exciting. We're going to the playoffs. This is great. Brian, uh, it was great talking to you and great seeing you on a yep. late night as I try to pull up our outro. Uh, talk to you again on Wednesday, yeah? Yes, on Wednesday. All right. Bye, everybody. Yeah.